Well, you know what they say about being second in the league table at Christmas, Rich. I can't remember being second in the league table at Christmas, so um, what do they say? It's better than any other position apart from first. It, that is absolutely true, yes. Mm. Um, although the fact that there's only six points between first and ninth uh, <laughs> means means that any place in that top half is 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 a place of serious jeopardy. This is intensely true. This is intensely yeah. true. But here we go. Season's greetings to you all from us to the Red Voices podcast. We so hope you had a really good festive period slash Christmas slash Hanukkah slash whatever you've been celebrating over the last week or so. You're in the company of me, Ewan Lennart and him, Richard Kant, discuss three Manchester United games from the last week. We've got Everton in the Carabao Cup semi-final from last Wednesday. We have got the 2-2 draw against Leicester City on Saturday. And this evening's rather enjoyable, if pretty boring. Well, I mean, rather enjoyable. I say rather enjoyable. You know, the last couple of minutes were quite fun. 1-0 victory over Wolverhampton Wanderers at Old Trafford this evening. But before all that, Richard, how was your Christmas? My Christmas, my Christmas wasn't bad actually. You only get older and you have kids. It's all about the kids, isn't it? So it's always nice to see them happy. And if they're happy, then we're happy. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Am I right? Yes. Mine was good. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. How was your Christmas? Well, you I, are I know so terrible know, at asking no, me Christmas, how I am. I Every single ideal, week. was it? Because you've you've had you've had um, um, shielding issues or, or um, isolation issues. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it ended up so all I, right. I almost, end, I almost yeah. didn't want to ask because because the answer might be a doubt, a Debbie Downer. Oh no, no, no. Um, it was okay. I mean, it was. It's never much fun waking up on your own on Christmas Day because there's not really much impetus to get up. You know, there's no one waking you up, and there's nothing really to open up under the tree. And if you mm. open it up too early, that when other people, like, when they come over opening their presents, you're sat there like a bit of a melon. So. Yeah, a, a slow burner of a Christmas day, but once it got going, cracking stuff. I watched uh, Soul, the new Pixar movie, which was lovely. Ah, and yeah, the girls and I had a lovely it's time. It's good that the weather's been terrible because you just don't want to go outside. This is true. This is true. And we had a nice bit of snow, which I was watching as I was Did sat you? on my laptop. Yeah, a good chunk of it. It's it's not stuck, but a good chunk of it this morning uh, as I was sat in my lounge doing my normal work, staring wistfully out of the window. But there we go. Anyway, Rich, speaking of staring wistfully, let's yeah. take our minds back to that Everton game last Wednesday. Now, uh, we'll come to the fact that we might not be playing the next stage of the Carabao Cup in a little while. But uh, that game in particular... That was one of the most satisfying games I can remember from United in quite some time, in the sense that, yes, we started pretty well, but it was a game that got very, very tight towards the end. Lots of trying to break down a packed Everton defence, and eventually sheer persistence and a moment of quality really paid off in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of points to make about this game. The first one was when, when the team sheets came out. You're quite used to seeing a sort of Carling Cup um, team sheet and, and realising just how weak the squad is behind the the core of the first team. But I looked at this this team sheet for the Everton game and my my initial instinct was that's a strong team. Or even almost that's that's quite that's quite close to a full strength team. And then I then I thought about it and realised we've made nine changes. And I think this goes back to a point we've made on the pod before this season that in that United have suddenly, I think, got the best squad they've had since 2013. And maybe even, maybe, you know, Fergie was such a genius to keep that bunch going, maybe even before that in terms of depth in some positions. You know, you look at it now, we've got, we've got two international left backs. We've got, you know, Van Bacon coming in midfield and Ollie's managed to get performances out of Fred and McTominay. So we've got options in midfield and you can bring, bring Pogba in as a, you know, an option in some games and not in others. And, 
Cavani as a as an alter, alternative to Martial up front. We've just got loads and loads of options now. And obviously, Green was gives us gives us another option as well. So, and we're suddenly in a position where even if we make quite considerable changes to the team, it, it's not enormously weakened. And what was what was really heartening about that Everton game is I'm fed up of seeing, or I'm sure we're both fed up of seeing. United play particularly well in periods in in certain games and then revert back to bilge or cluelessness or sloppiness the next game. And we we saw from the Leeds game the intensity that United played at was actually greater than Leeds's intensity and that's really the thing that Leeds Leeds are most known for. You that's know, no mean feat, is it? No, it's not and it's it, it's not something we've seen for ages. I mean our first half performance has been absolutely rank for for ages. So to see that in one game was was really nice, but to see us do the same thing in 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 a, in a consecutive game and actually come out and really really dominate Everton for the first twenty five minutes half an hour should really have been a couple of goals up to, by that point. And, and obviously, one, if you don't take advantage of that 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 domination, you then start to wonder. But but again, we're we're looking at, we're looking at options now, and we and we. It, it, eventually won the game because one of the options we could bring in scored a really, really top-class goal. How infrequent have those sort of periods of 25 minutes proper pressure and really high-quality forward play been over the course of the last decade? You know, it, it seeing that was promising, especially, as you said, because we made so many changes. And yeah, it might not have led to anything. And it was a bit frustrating going into the final stages of the game that that was arguably our chance to get ahead and then Everton grew into the game a little bit. But especially with the way that we struck with that Cavani goal, the one of the heartening elements of the last week, and we saw it again tonight, was that Everton in particular in the second half essentially were playing on the counter and were sat deep and waiting for their moment to strike. And they didn't really get it. I thought we managed the counter really well in that game in the second half. And it was just that one moment where we were able to pick that one pass that broke the line. So Sigurdsson's going towards Pogba. Maguire gets a little space to pass to Martial. Martial finds Cavani. Cavani's got two or three players very close to him, but he just pulls the ball across the edge of the area. And that curling effort into the bottom left corner was absolutely delicious. What a goal to break the deadlock. And that's why he was brought in, right? That's why... You know, he's. You know, I'm not saying Martial and Rashford are incapable of doing that because we've seen them do similar things over the course of the last several years. But it's Cavani's the ability in that instance there and his experience in that instance there that really pulled that goal from out of essentially nothing. You know, it, it was it was well deserved as well. And United had two or three chances on the break immediately afterwards. We probably should have scored at least one of them before Martial got the breakaway goal, but still encouraging to take the game and deservedly win it, especially considering how tight it had gotten after that first initial period of pressure. Yeah, and I think the Cavani goal was a moment of quality, but it's the kind of space you perhaps, just that that, that yard of space that you get later in a game when the game's stretched. Um, and the defense is just not quite as quite in the in the shape it needs to be, and they're just not quite quite as aware of um, where they are and what they need to be doing and what what the opposition player is doing than they were in the in in the earlier stages of the game. Yeah, but isn't it good though, Rich, that we saw that tonight and we saw it last week that United are staying switched on enough and they're mm. aware enough to take those opportunities and get that little bit of space and make it count. It is great, but 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 part of that I think as well is is the fact that we've we've now got competition for places. And you can't coast through games. You know, Luke, we'll talk about this later, but we've, we've seen, a, I think Luke Shaw's been particularly good in the last week. 
um, or, or he's has been a lot better in the last week. And I think that comes directly as a result of having competition for his place. And Cavani wants to be starting these games. He wants to be starting big games. He you know he doesn't just want to be starting the Carling Cup or whatever. He wants to be the he wants to get ahead of Marshall Martial and start in the biggest games. And you can see quite a few areas of the team where that's the case. You know Pogba can't can't take his place for granted. So when he comes in, he can't be he can't be lethargic. He has to perform. And that you can count across probably the only one who who doesn't have any great competition competition for his place at the moment. I suppose Harry Maguire doesn't, as we know, he's played millions of games or more minutes than any other player in the world in the last 12 months or something. And, and the other one's probably Marcus Rashford. But aside from those two, I don't think there's a, there's a player in this team that is can be 100% confident of their place at any, at any given time. And so the result is that players have to be switched on. Players have to be hungry because otherwise they're not going to be in the team next week. And that does seem to be that I think that is at the root of a lot of United's problems in the last few years. I mean, there are lots and lots of reasons why United have struggled, but we haven't had a squad of this depth because of recruitment, because of the way we spend, just because of managers and whatever else, all sorts of things. We haven't had a squad where there's been this kind of challenge for places and there's been the quality to come in when other players are dropped or rested or rotated. And I think that the result of that is what we're seeing, which is a lot more a lot more individual drive as well as collective drive. No, I'd completely agree. And you're right about Luke Shaw. I mean, talking about a competition for midfield places, in speaking of another midfield, that Donny van der Beek had the best part of over an hour on last Wednesday and hadn't been seen in either the game tonight against Wolves or the one against Leicester at the weekend. I mean, it you could very quickly get an overblown perspective about what's going on with him at United. I think at the minute he's just not quite up to the level in terms of his, the quality's clearly there. I I don't necessarily think it's more of an effort thing. He's just not seemingly dialed in with what's going on around him completely yet. I would say perhaps, I mean, again, you saw in the first 25 minutes, he was, you know, a key part of a lot of the good things we were doing. I thought he actually linked up quite well with Pogba and Matic. And in a game like that, where United took, you know, we're on the front foot early on. I thought his presence was really valuable. But no, you're right. I mean, the quality in the squad is as good as it has been for a long, long time. And the fact that you could, in that Everton game, take out five of the midfield and attack and then replace them with Pogba, Matic and Van der Beek and Cavani and Greenwood and still say that is a team that can cause damage to, at the minute, one of the top four or five teams in the country, that's a very good position to be in. And then... You know, here we go, waiting for that draw again. City obviously beating Arsenal, Spurs going past Stoke, and then Brentford with a surprise result against Newcastle. And of course we draw City. Now, obviously that's taken on a uh, different context with uh, the uh, COVID outbreak over at uh, the Etihad training complex. So there's a huge doubt of whether we're even going to play that game next week, right? Let alone the game against Villa on Saturday, sorry, Friday. So it's all very up in the air. Uh, I mean, one thing, Rich, I'm very, very pleased it's not going to be a two-legged affair, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, um, that didn't go so well last time, did it? Although, I suppose it was the, it was the first leg that was the problem. Um, I don't think this City at the moment are on the level that, that they were last season, or anything like it. I think they're mm. sitting eighth at the moment, aren't they? You, we've seen from Liverpool as well, Liverpool aren't, aren't at the level they, they were, and it's, it's a curious anomaly with this with this season. So I don't think it's a, it's the sort of challenge that it was last season and I think as we've said we've got more resources to to play them um, but we also saw 
from the the league game a couple of weeks ago that that neither manager feels comfortable opening up and playing an expansive game against the other. I would expect if it gets played quite a cagey game again, you say I think I think the chances of it actually being played are relatively slim. Whether that's just because City aren't able to um, field enough of a team, or or, or, or the, the authorities weren't in to play it, or simply because we shut we shut football down for couple of weeks or, or possibly even more because um, I think we're at a stage now where persisting as we are possibly is, isn't going to work in the in the, the short short to medium term which is depressing but here we are no I mean I guess I've been grateful in, with that in mind uh, with just how much interesting football we've seen over the last week right you mm. know the games across sort of boxing day and there and thereafter have been pretty good fun you know obviously it helps yeah. that almost all the teams in and around us to drop points and United as we move on to that game against Leicester were you know we were not um alone in that unfortunately so yeah let's go to that game at the King Power Stadium on Boxing Day itself now starting as early as we did I'm always concerned I'm always concerned about a lunchtime kickoff with United because I just feel like there's still that chance that they might ruin the rest of my day mm. and they kind of like half ruined it I likened it to overcooking the turkey but having a gammon joint as a backup for Christmas meal. Now, it's not ideal, but it just about gets the job done, you know? Yeah, I think if we if we said before the match that you get a point away at the team who are directly above you in the table, you would have possibly taken that. The, the only frustration was, was the fact that it could have been a win if we'd been more switched on. Well, it should have been a win, really, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it should have been a win. Like, you know, we were the better... I think we were the better team over the piece. It was a really interesting game in that you've got two two teams who essentially play almost exactly the same way <clears throat> it's all about it's all about regaining possession and and breaking at lightning speed and taking advantage of spaces and then being um efficient up front but you know the reality was it was a good test for united because the only other games we've played this season the the, the against really sort of high level teams who've even got either got absolutely walloped um or they've been incredibly tedious this was a this was another good challenge for us and to i think we actually went toe-to-toe with less and, and with the better team created the better chances should have won the game um hmm. came out of it slightly frustrated but also not dis- dissatisfied with the performance or the points point no no i think the the frustrating thing and it's one thing that i think we're going to be looking at a lot more over the coming months as we have now uh inserted ourselves into the title picture at least for the time being is United's goals at the minute especially just seem so avoidable both of the goals we mm. conceded on Saturday were we could have put a stop to them with better positioning or better decisions or better closing down and that is frustrating and the other thing I guess to suggest is that we're making more chances than we have for some time but we're guilty of some really glaring misses I mean the miss from Rashford that free header in the first minute of the game I mean Number one, I'm not going to criticise it too much because that's a fast start from United for the third game in a week. It was remarkable. You know, we properly went at Leicester in the opening period. And, you know, I think Rashford's just assumed that that's going in and he's just taken his eye off the ball as he goes to head it and it just goes over the bar. Either side of Schmeichel and that's 1-0. And we've got a very different game because, you know, instantly, as soon as that happens, Leicester have got to come out. And that is exactly the pattern the game went. Once United took the lead, and it was a really good bit of uh, play by Bruno Fernandes after that James pass, that touch just takes it away from Fafana, and Rashford is able just to stroke it into the bottom corner of the net. It's a pretty straightforward goal. But as soon as Leicester uh, conceded both those goals at the weekend, they came out. 
and United couldn't quite cope with it. Now, the first goal, really avoidable. You know, we this is the trade-off with Bruno, isn't it? Take so many risks, some necessary to get us further up the pitch and create chances, some completely unnecessary. And that falls very much into the fourth, sorry, the latter category, doesn't it? But even then, the way that we didn't close down the shot from Barnes, from Harvey Barnes there, was criminal. I mean, I'm not necessarily going to be too critical of De Gea's starting position there because I just don't see how he should have gotten that shot off. No, I mean, don't, don't, don't let him onto his left foot. I think is, mm. is the answer, and that's exactly what we did. As a rule, I would I would be telling Bruno Fernandes never to come in his own final third, his own third of the pitch, defensive third, um, <laughs> because you know he just does take risks with everything he does, and he you know he he gives the ball away a lot, but obviously also provides a lot of quality as well. But you can't you can't be that inconsistent in terms of your execution in your own in your own final third, in your own defensive third. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I I don't know really. I think I think really the the centre backs just switched off, or just just it only took a he took a second, didn't it? It just took a second for him to move it onto his left foot, and, and it was a really really good shot. Um, but it was frustrating. It's the it's the kind of goal you should be switched onto, and you shouldn't be allowing a player that much space at that point in the game. Hmm. I mean, I guess again the frustration was that we limited Leicester to very few really decent chances in that game. Yeah, they had a couple mm. of spots of pressure, and we played ourselves into trouble on a few occasions. But I didn't feel like we were playing the side that was second in the league when we kicked off um, for many parts of that game. And when we took the lead, I think in particular, it made me think a little bit more about how United managed those sort of moments. You know, we talked a bit about it in the aftermath of the PSG game quite recently in the sense that United didn't have to go hell for leather at one all to get the result. And we did. And then we left ourselves vulnerable as a result of it and didn't react quick enough. And I think at 2-1, and potentially still at 1-0, there's an element that United, especially after the, the second goal, which was you know great work by Cavani to pick out Bruno and a lovely finish. You know, I think he gets a little bit lucky with it because he hits it into the ground, but it's got such good positioning that it's got enough to take it beyond Schmeichel. So, yeah. But still, you know, he finds himself in those positions so often. It's not an accident that he scores that many goals and assists that many. You know, The lad's dynamite in the final third. No, simple as that really, isn't it? Um, yeah. But in terms of the second goal in particular, you could see immediately after we scored, we were looking to get that third and kill the game off really quickly. You know, they had Rashford and Cavani on the shoulder of the final defender, just waiting to spring forward and try and get on the counter, as opposed to sitting a little bit deeper and trying to absorb the pressure that Leicester were providing. Because at that stage, Leicester again came out after going 2-1 down and went for it. And you know, again, the positioning for the second goal, it's Fred that just goes out to the player that Shaw's covering. I forget who it was, but he leaves Perez completely open, pulls away. Perez has got the space and the goal was coming as soon as that happened because Vardy is able just to get that shot off. And yeah, he gets a bit lucky with the deflection off Axel, but at the same time, you could just see it coming. And I guess that was the frustration was that, again, that was a very avoidable goal and United do need to get better at managing those moments. You know, it, it's all, it's fantastic that we've got a counter-attack and a forward line that can provide us and the creation to go on and kill those games off and get goals in those instances, even when we are under pressure. But you do have to be able to rely on your defence from time to time, especially in tight games against the bigger clubs who have got the weapons that Leicester have. So I think that's just something that concerns me going forward as the season grows and United, you know, if they keep picking up points, we'll find themselves in the title race. Just how best to manage moments in games like that when games are tight and knowing when to stick and when to twist in those instances, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if if some of it is 
that um, Oli just doesn't trust his defence. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's fair enough. But 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 the point is that it becomes self defeating if your if your defence isn't good enough and you allow the opposition to to um, have that space to to put them under pressure um, in the way that that United did in uh, against PSG and and in those final minutes against Leicester, then you leave yourself exposed to those kind of concentrational lapses, which which led to the to the goal to the Vardy goal. Um, you know, it's a really nice little step off from Vardy. You can see it's you know, the kind of move that a top striker does in his sleep. But you, you have three United defenders there in line with no other Leicester player near them and all of them are just watching where the ball came from and nobody's looking at where Vardy was. So it was just another concentrational slip. You know, I do just wish, with, you know, with a lead that, that late, just try and shut the game down. You know, ultimately, Le- Le- Leicester can't counter on you if you... Vardy can't take advantage of those spaces if there aren't any space. If there isn't any space, then there's no space mm. to counter. And I also think that we have a little bit of an issue with Rashford and Bruno in those circumstances because they can't play conservative. No, um, no, no. <clears throat> no, I mean, they, it, it, they, play, they play the same way regardless of what stage of the game we're at, particularly, particularly Bruno. Bruno. Bruno only knows forward, doesn't he? He only knows, he only knows going forward, creating, causing danger. He... Bruno only knows on. Exactly, yeah. He's not He's not the sort of player who's going to drop in and sit in front of the back four and defend in, in, in lines and be, be restricted in, his, in, his, in the way he plays and his movement. You know, Rashford does track back, but he's not going to be... I remember the number of times that Fergie used Rooney as a, as a sort of almost like a de- defensive wide player in certain games and Rooney was incredibly diligent in doing that job and Rashford just isn't that kind of player he's always looking forward um, and he's not going to be sitting back and covering runs and, and whatever else and it, you almost feel like in that circumstance for those last five minutes just get him off and put some, put a couple of disciplined players on um, and just let them <clears throat> let them fill space and, and destroy rather than having to try to blow a game away through constant attacking, you know that's the only frustration. I mean, when we look back to to um, Ollie's first kind of half season in charge, a lot of a lot of the the good performances United had were built on being pretty um, compact at the back and and countering and being efficient with the chances. Whereas now, it, it's it's all kind of all or nothing. Even when United are in a position where they don't need to go balls to the wall. I'd like to see Oli just in those circumstances where United are sitting on or have established a one goal lead with not a great deal of time to go just to make those changes and just trust trust his team to to be able to be compact and and defend in a way that should be able to close the game at the last 5 6 7 minutes of a game out. Yeah, I mean there wasn't a lot of time after we got that goal in particular and that's the frustrating thing was that yeah. we could have closed that game out better, much better than we did. And it was a it was an odd one. I still felt that we were the better side for almost all of that game, but I'm not necessarily sure there was a lot of standout performers. I think it was more just a really effective team performance. You know, there there were some, you know, eyebrows raised quite rightly at Dan Je- well, I say quite rightly. There were some eyebrows raised at some of the inclusions. You had Victor Lindelof on the right uh, side of a 4-4-2 and that didn't pay off. You know, he was he was targeted far too often and then came off injured, which is hardly an ideal time to be doing it considering the amount of games we may or may not have coming up. Uh Dan James had another difficult game for him. You know, it, it it's just it's so clear how it, the Leeds game is an example of using Dan James right. 
You know, it, mm. he had space to attack, plenty of ability, plenty of opportunities to run in behind and really use his pace. And we've seen how good that can work in that exact game against Bielsa. In this game against Leicester, the defence was just too tactically disciplined to allow him that opportunity. He didn't have any space to run in behind and it just shows up his limitations on the ball. And then Fred and McTominay as well. You know, they hadn't played... I, I don't know if... I don't think either then came on against Everton if memory serves. So they had the best part of six days break, but they came in and just looked off it to a certain extent. Do you remember Fred in the first half played that ridiculous pass back to Eric Bailly? Chipped up yeah. and it hits his arm. And we gave yeah. away a terrible free kick in the first half. And that was indicative of his... Wait, was that the first half? No, it was the second half. Beg your pardon. And it was... He was just indicative of his game. He was way off it. He wasn't quite making his passes. He didn't seem to be able to keep his normal pressing up, which was strange for him. And noticeable that neither of them played tonight as well, given that we only played three days ago. You see, again, just as you said with Dan James, you saw in the Leeds game the perfect way to utilise those two players. They're not the greatest on the ball, but what they will do and what was needed in the game against Leeds was essentially to out-press and out energy leads essentially do do what leads do but better and mm. if in in that particular in that particular role they 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 were both and can both be very very effective i think with leicester it was a different kind of midfield game there's there's more time on the ball there's more there's more where you have to do something proactively with the ball at your feet in in midfield and I think that though that the Batomine particularly, but but Fred to a degree as well, that plays less to their to their strength. You can see what um, Ollie's trying to do, obviously, with the, the the sheer number of games and the the the, the speed with which they, they come. He's got to make lots of changes for every game, and he's got to at some point give some players a rest. Um, and I think you've seen with with Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the last um, <clears throat> the last couple of matches as well that he he's brought him back today, but he didn't pick him for the uh, prior to that and and he's a guy who's been clearly been struggling for form and I think probably suffering um physically as well um and Ollie's seen the need to to just give him a little break take him out mm. let him recuperate and then he's brought him back brought him back tonight and I think he's having to measure up picking the the right players tactically for a game with managing their minutes as well that's not a perfect science he can't he can't satisfy both needs at the same time so sometimes we're going to see combinations of players that don't necessarily make total sense for the game that they're faced with but you you, ha- you have to pick them because you've got a lot of games you've got to face and you you can't pick the perfect team for every game now we'll we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to this in just a minute though we have a small favor to ask friends if you're enjoying the show please help spread the word leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts acast or any podcast app you use it's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated there we go quick break taken Interesting that you mentioned in terms of the squad utilisation, considering that United have gotten through so far the festive period in a pretty healthy position. And you, when you consider the points that teams around us have dropped of late, I mean, obviously there's the uh, caveat that the Everson City game, which would have gone in our favour either way, because both teams at the time of writing were below us. Uh, obviously that cancellation, or sorry, the postponement was useful for us. You see the way that Spurs have gone in the last sort of 10 days. They have been so far off it, it's ridiculous. And they played out a, for Wolves, a very deserving 1-1 draw for them at Molyneux on a Sunday night. 
Liverpool failing to beat West Brom at home. I mean, beating West Brom at home isn't for everyone. It's fair enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, we got to get our digs in somewhere. It's yeah, been yeah. years. They are better than us. Let's just enjoy the slight little prods we can. Yeah. And then, oh gosh, what else have we got? Chelsea again failing to win. I mean, it was it's all it's it, Aston Villa has turned into a very tricky game in a very short space of time. But that game against uh, Villa at Stamford Bridge last night was. I know, it was pretty lethargic from Chelsea in the end. Plus, on Boxing Day itself, beating 3-1 at the Emirates by one of the worst Arsenal sides in recent memory, mm. if not the very worst. It's really getting to that point now. We're especially coming into tonight's game with, with Palace as well, drawing against Leicester and fully deserving of a point at Selhurst Park a couple of de- uh, yesterday. It's getting to that point where if United can just keep picking up points wherever they can and especially given that we had a really some really tricky assignments this festive period united are going to do themselves a lot of good if they can continue to do exactly what they did tonight hopefully it's not going to be every single game because that was simultaneously incredibly stressful and also quite boring Mm. but we are putting ourselves at least in the conversation and it's i don't know it's weird it feels odd doesn't it it definitely feels unusual not being in a poor position needing and needing to do something to make up ground which i think we've we've kind of been in on perpetual loop for the last the last few years always looking up at other teams and thinking this is we need to do this and last season we managed to do enough to get ourselves into the champions league places but ultimately the, the fact that we've gone out of it in the group stage means that it was almost all for nothing anyway so it be, you know being in and around the top 4 isn't going to cut it it doesn't cut it emotionally for me this season. You know, you need to see a bit more. Um, I think we definitely, mm. we're definitely seeing improved results. I think we're probably seeing, we've definitely seen some degree of improvement and evolution in, in the team. The team are really quite generally quite fun to watch, although you have games like tonight against compact teams where we aren't. You know, and, and to be able to look at the table and actually consider ourselves to be in some degree of title race in at the start of january is um yeah it's it's quite novel it, it's uncharted territory i'm not quite it sure is. how i feel about it yet and a lot of the questions which we'll come to in a minute i feel like i have to block a lot of people because there's a lot of 21 believe tweets i'm getting this evening yeah i think that's a bit bold that's a bit bold in my opinion it's very bold <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's better Especially considering that we I mean, we didn't scum our way to a 1-0 victory, but I guess it was somewhat fortuitous in the way it came about. But anyway, I guess coming into this game, having watched uh, Wolves very much deserve a point against uh, Toto Mourinho's Tottenham. Coming into that game against Wolves, I mean, we haven't beaten them. We Prior to this evening, we hadn't beaten them in four league meetings. And the only win we had against them in the last ooh, seven was an FA Cup replay last season where Juan Mata got the goal in the replay uh, at Old Trafford. Every single game has been incredibly tight. Neither, no game has been won by more than one goal. The most we've seen is like a two successive 2-1 defeats at Molyneux in Solskjaer's first season in charge. Or it was half season in charge anyway. Maybe it was the attacking lineup. Maybe it was because I expected a bit less from Wolves in terms of their effort on the break or I expected a bit more from United in terms of their ability to break this team down considering that we've made another bunch of changes from the game against Leicester but it was really really heavy going yeah I mean we haven't scored more than one goal against Wolves at Old Trafford in any competition since they got promoted back to the the Premier League Um, Mm. sort of team that Wolves are and Wolves even though they're struggling a bit this season are one of the, the better exponents of the being compact 
keeping it really tight. They score an awful lot of second half goals. They score an awful lot of late goals. So a lot of what they do revolves around nullifying the the opposition for an extended period of time and then catching them on the break, which is, as we've seen, Oli and United's kryptonite. You could have written the match report for that game, even taking into account the late the late goal. You could have written the meat of the match report for that game yesterday, and and mm-hmm. you 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 pretty much be able to use all of it. So it's not a surprise that the, that the nature of the game we saw. It was a bit depressing that we found it so difficult to break down. A, 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 let's let's be honest, the weakened wolf side as well. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Who didn't have an enormous amount of um, attacking intent at any point in the game, really, and it, it just kind of exposed our limitations. So it's a strange game in that on the on the one hand, late late goals in in Fergie time are heroin for my soul. <laughs> the actual performance, I thought, again was a little bit concerning. Although United were better in the final twenty minutes, you know, prior to prior to the goal happening um, and, and perhaps last season or perhaps earlier earlier in the season we wouldn't have got that goal um, but but we did this time and maybe maybe that's progress in itself I don't know so there's, there's positives and negatives obviously the big positive is that we won the game we really didn't play very well in at all um, and, and that keeps us going and that's more of a positive than the negative but we, we still have to be aware that we struggled in the sorts of game, the sort of game we've been struggling in all season sure you know we we came into this game with a good opportunity though right you know yeah with liverpool drawing against west brom on sunday this gave us the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that some games have been postponed and the teams around us have been dropping points to get closer to the top of the table than we've been since well last week but still it's nice don't get me wrong yeah. love it um but united came into that game what eight games unbeaten in the league i think it was you know wolves Again, I mentioned that draw against Spurs, which they had a lot of the ball, but that did not that, that that's an outlier for most of their season. You know, they have had some decent performances against Arsenal and Chelsea, having beaten the two of them both home and away. Uh, but they're really missing missing Raúl Jiménez. You know, they were pre- basically playing with what Neto and Adama Traore up front tonight in an effort to try and hit United on the break. And at times, we did have something to think about, but especially with the way they played out in that second half, they were just playing for a draw. You know, Rio Patricio, with what, 20 minutes to go getting booked for time-wasting, told you everything you needed to know about their approach to that game. And it paid off, almost. You know, United, initially in that first half in particular, were just looking for crosses, weren't they? You know, there was as soon as Alex Tellis had the ball, it was essentially like he was told cross immediately, trying to pick out Cavani because we know he's so good in the air. I mean, ironically enough, the best cross of the half came and probably the, the goal that should have happened way before Rashford's was uh, uh, Bruno Fernandes from Mason Greenwood's cross from the right-hand side. It was an absolute peach, you know, curling into the far post and he just doesn't get enough of a touch on it to get it past Rui Patricio. Um, but that was a uh, an outlier to a certain extent. I mean, De Gea had very little to do, but thankfully he was on it for Roman Seiss' touch from a, a free kick that Wolves had in the first half. But in the second half, apart from, again, a close-range header that size hit against De Gea that he was quick to react to, which was offside anyway, they offered next to nothing. And you mentioned there in terms of how United grew into that game to a certain extent. You looked at the positioning, especially with Wolves getting back so quickly. Like United had no opportunities really to break on them at all because they were so disciplined. They pushed so few players forward and got back back into their shape so quickly. It was just impossible for United to find the space with the way they were going about things. And it wasn't until that last sort of 15, 20 minutes where it seemed to me 
Bruno came back a little bit because he was constantly surrounded by players when he was outside the penalty area. Pogba shifted a bit further forward that we started to find some space. Bruno was able to start spraying some passes around, which actually really helped because those were the only opportunities we actually had of just finding some area of the pitch to try and work with, you know? And we started getting a couple of shots off. It didn't necessarily come to a hell of a lot. Pogba had a great, great effort long range that might have done a little bit more had he gone to the opposite corner that Patricio was more than equal to but it was something you know it was nice to see us actually try something a little different even it didn't necessarily amount to a hell of a lot but the one thing you can say about this United side going into stoppage time I mean what what is it 10 goals scored in the last sort of 10 minutes of game so far this season in the league in comparison with teams in the past where they come up against a brick wall and they just keep gently nutting their head against it and seeing what will happen this team comes up with different questions and it yes it was lucky that Rashford's shot came off size who had a great game and was ironically named man of the match by Amazon Prime this evening <laughs> oh unfortunate but that's not by accident United were lucky to have gotten that goal in the sense that it obviously was a huge deflection and Patricia was absolutely done by the ball when it came off size but that was not a lucky win United got it because they kept going and they found an answer to the to Wolves's low block yeah I think there's a changing of attitude at United it's not there in inverted commas by any means but there's definitely I think a growing belief in themselves or, or certainly a belief in the for, in the in the in the offensive players in the attacking players um I think I think we've seen Rashford over the last year to 18 months really kind of develop into a guy who takes responsibility and produces ma- you know match winning moments even when he's not necessarily playing very well I think Bruno's made a big big change in that in that regard as well and I think just just generally across the across the team the attitude has changed, and also, as I said earlier, the fact that there's competition has made has been a definite motivator as well. Because you can't stop, you can't ease off five percent towards the end of the game and know you're going to be playing the next game because you you, you probably won't be. So, but but I think we're seeing in in Bruno and, and Marcus Rashford particularly two players who are really really high class players, but also players with a mentality that allows them to impact games like this on a consistent basis and and I think Cavani is another one I know he didn't have a great game tonight but again it's that kind of mentality his kind of mentality and his his confidence and 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 his experience that allowed us to come back at Southampton for example so I think we've got a, you know Martial's not one of those players and that's the one you know the one kind of criticism I would have of him or I wouldn't place him in those in those that sort of class because just simply because he does have periods of really low confidence and he's not able to impact the game in those games in the way that those other players do. But when you've got guys who are really sort of clutch players in, in Rashford and Cavani and Bruno particularly, you're going to have moments like this because because just because of that mentality. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think they're particularly impacted by confidence. I don't think they they're particularly impacted by pressure or stress in a game and that's what allows them to to keep impacting games right to the right to the end and now you're right in terms of Rashford's confidence he and Bruno are two players who keep trying and that's so vital to United doing anything this season is their willingness to keep adapting prodding and to 
find different questions to answer of find different questions to pose to opposition defenses and in particular with the way that Rashford took that last chance he just kept waiting for that little bit of space you know it's two or three touches before he lets rip mm. and if you keep doing that eventually you're going to get moments like that you, you're going to get a lucky deflection here and there if, if you try and work the defender a little bit and we hadn't done enough of that in the preceding 90 minutes you know it did come into the equation in the last 20 because we were starting to get a little bit more like and walls are starting to tire and by design united are quite well suited to those end stages of games because we do have fit players who are fast you know and very very good on the ball and it's not a mistake that we keep scoring game goals so late in games at the moment because we are just very well set up to do just that if games are getting very tricky for us yeah you're right in the sense that we do certainly need to start thinking about having an answer to that question a little bit sooner um and i'm still not totally sure i mean i understand why pogba and matic came in as the midfield duo for this game but at the same time before bruno and pogba sort of switched places and pogba was playing a bit closer to the front three that was so static and slow it just made it so difficult for us to really get anything going quickly and i do think that we are still looking at perhaps another top level midfielder in order to really get that midfield ticking you know alongside the defensive midfielder and the right winger and perhaps uh left or right back that we currently need as well and maybe a center back you know if we if we if we have drawing up a wish list at this stage but still i mean I've got to admit, Rich, there was a part of me that was just waiting to see if the offside flag was going to go up in the aftermath of that goal. I took about two seconds to look around at me, even though no one else was in the room, and then jumped up and silently screamed. It was beautiful. I I, I did that with the uh, the Bruno goal at Leicester as well. I think we just kind of conditioned now, aren't we, to just wait a second and and think, is that is that going to be allowed? You know, the Cavani one tonight, I, I made the, the mistake of, of celebrating a goal and then it not being a goal. Um, and it's just something we're getting used to with the with the sort of late late flags, isn't it? And I'm really on the fence about VAR and these late um, offside flags and, and, and everything else because it does, to a degree, take away that moment of elation that you mm. that you might otherwise otherwise have in certain circumstances. But by the same token, I think it does get more decisions right than previously. So it's a bit of a double edged sword. But ultimately, in the end, who gives a shit? There was definitely, <laughs> there was definitely, there was definitely a lot of growling when, um, for me, when, uh, when the goal was given tonight. No, fair enough. And again, I go back to it. United were not lucky to win that game. They won it because they kept going, and yeah. good things are going to happen eventually if you, with the quality of the players that we've got, if you're able to do that. And let's not play down the exquisite pass that Bruno laid onto Rashford's feet to actually begin the chance anyway. You know, that was one of the few times where we actually had Leicester's defence on the back foot, and they still had three players around him, and they still couldn't stop the shot. United did not carve out a lot of really good chances tonight, but we deserve that victory and there have been so many occasions over the last several years where we've seen United have that exact same game we know we've got the better attacking components in our side but we just can't find a way through and I'm not suggesting for a second that we suddenly solved this big problem that we've had for some time but it's at least good to see that the team spirit in those occasions can carry us and the quality that we've got can carry us and you know it is individual moments FC to a certain extent but still, the fact that you can still see this team doing things like that and you can you believe in them to a certain extent to think maybe there's still something in this game. And because they still keep going, scoring goals so late, you just can't count us out at the minute. And 
it's been a while since we've had that. And before we go on to Twitter questions, you know, I, I'm i still very distrustful, naturally, of this United side in terms of their um, ability and their suitability for mounting a proper title charge. I think that you look at the league table as it is at the minute, and there are currently nine points in between Liverpool in first and West Ham in 10th. All it takes is two or three victories strung together for you to catapult yourself back up the table. And all it takes is one draw to drop you out of the top four places. So it really is just going to be about which team can tie a bunch of results together that's going to determine who's going to be in with a shout come May. United are capable of doing it. They have a team and a squad that is high quality that can score goals. Whether they will do it or not, it's a different story. And I said this a little while ago, the fact that we're in the equation is in no small part down to the fact that this season is absolute chaos so i guess we just take advantage of it and hope for the best right yeah you've just you it's almost the case this season of just just focusing on your next game isn't it and just trying to get something out of that that next game because it must be very very difficult to plan in any sort of medium term sense for your for the fixture list or for to, in terms of what you think might happen with the league table or, or whatever else it, it almost is just a case of getting getting a team on the pitch that you think could probably do a job in any any given game. I mean, you, you were talking about injuries a few minutes ago. I, I don't ever recall United having this few injuries. No, I mean, it's it's interesting that we haven't had injuries and we haven't necessarily had a lot of positive COVID tests either. I can't remember no. one anyway. No, I mean... It, Apart from Pogba at the start of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's absurd that... that I mean, perhaps it's perhaps it's because of the fact that we essentially, you know, the first few weeks of the season were essentially our our pre-season so a lot of our players are fresher physically than they perhaps would have been had they had a six-week pre-season before before that I don't know it, it's it's strange but I'm not going to complain about it. It, it I honestly can't remember a time when when United weren't missing several key players and lots of squad members to to injuries that were really impacting on team selection and and performance um whereas at the moment we, we really have got the option of making significant rotational changes because the vast majority of the core of of key players are are, are fit and staying fit mm. so i mean I, I don't have any wood to touch right now but um if i did i, I would be because i've probably damned it now i'm sure if you think of that rashford goal you could probably conjure some up yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's because i'm drinking gin and tonic rich it, uh, it's tuesday night and we've won just what get, more could just, i want just get it down um yeah. yeah i mean we're actually in really good shape it's almost a shame if 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 we do have to take a break from football because I think we, we appear to be in a good, in a good finite, uh, physical situation compared to a lot of other teams. I mean, you've seen from Wolves tonight they they had they were they've been forced to make a few changes and it really did stifle any attacking intent they may have had. And it, it, clearly, they just came to United hoping to keep it tight not concede and maybe just snatch a goal from a set piece or something um and that's because their squad is very small and they've they've chosen that so it's not it's not an excuse for their performance they've chosen to have a small squad but we are in a good position in that in that regard and I, i think we've probably got more depth than most of the other side sides towards the top of the table you can argue that city have and and maybe Liverpool have in some positions but you've seen from Liverpool you know that they've lost they've lost Van Dijk and they they, they aren't the same without him in in both an offensive input and a defensive input you know I think we are in a very very good position with our squad physically um, and it's it will just be a shame if if we lose that advantage because of a shutdown 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the health of the players is going to be paramount and the fact that yeah. City had to postpone so late on yesterday that game against Everton due to the fact that they had such a, num- a high number of positive tests and the fact that uh, Fulham's game against Tottenham looks like it's under threat as well. It looks like we're going to require a circuit breaker. I mean, it looks like we need a circuit breaker across the country, let alone in the Premier League. So you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean... I- Yes, it would be a shame to see us lose out on this momentum. But at the same time, I kind of trust this United side with the quality it has to kind of muddle through anyway. I mean, that next game against Villa, should we play, is going to be a really tricky one. You know, this is the, the today was the first of four home games in all competitions, potentially, if the fixture stays as it is, which is, again, a massive uh, variable. And Villa have been playing some great stuff to have beaten... Oh, who did they beat a couple of days ago? It was Palace, 3 nil at home men, with yeah. 10 men. Yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. They create a lot. And Jack Grievish, for all his uh, theatrics in terms of constantly going down without any provocation, is leading that team. And they got the element of surprise completely this season. And it's ongoing several months in. Yeah, they're playing with such a freedom and with without any burdens whatsoever. And considering that... You know, they were in a relegation fight barely several months ago. To have come out and to be doing this this season is remarkable, even if it leads to nothing. But in terms of United in their title charge, well, let's look to Twitter questions because we've got a lot of rambunctious replies this evening. Beginning with Ali Espinasse, performance of champions, etc., etc. Uh, Pinak, do you think there will still be COVID restrictions when we celebrate our title win in May? Teddy, do you B21 EVE now? That James boy, <laughs> is it coming? <laughs> uh, who else have we got? Nathan Downey, can we do it? When do we start believing? Not yet, I think is the answer. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we get out of Anfield with a result in a couple of weeks' time, then I think you can start to seriously put United in the title picture. You know, we are going to be second going into 2021, which is not insignificant, purely on the virtue that we haven't been involved in this close to the top of the table in so long mm. and actually have the confidence that there's a side here that can continue to stick there or thereabouts. It's just the fact that this season's such an unknown. There's so many chaotic elements and the fixture list isn't going to stay the same as it is right now between now and the end of the season. We've still got no. one game against Burnley to make up. All United can do, I know it sounds boring as hell, Rich, but it's just a case of taking each game as it comes and doing our best in it, right? I mean, it sounds such a basic bitch for saying it, but it's true. It is true. Like I said, you can't plan. You can't can't look ahead. You can't look at the bigger picture because there are so many games. There are so many variables, games that might be happening, games that will happen or don't happen. You don't know where you're going to stand from one, one game to the next. So you do just have to keep focusing on the next game trying to go out and win it and see where you are maybe in March. Um, mm. You know, we, we, bear in mind, we've got the Europa League to come as well. I think it doesn't start again until March, does it? Or late February, I forget which. So we've got an extended period without that, but that's going to come into play towards the end of the of the season or towards the end of the season as it's scheduled at the moment. You know my feelings on this, Richard. I know, I do know your feelings on this. There are just so many variables. We don't even know if those games are going to be able to be played if, if, if there's a particularly high levels of outbreak in either this country or whichever country we have to play in at any given time um everything's just completely mad isn't it it's mm. almost i've looked i've looked at the league table tonight for the first time in ages just just because i 
I knew I knew we'd gone second, and I wanted to just 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 see it, just see it, and, and, and ex- <laughs> experience it for an evening. Um, but you sound like Gollum taking a peek at the ring. It's, it's pretty much that. It's pretty much that. It's just I'm going to have a look and see, just because it's, it feels nice. But but the rest of the time, I've hardly been looking at the table because it, it it just hasn't. The whole season just feels very strange, doesn't it? It is all very strange, and it doesn't feel like a normal season. I don't pay much attention to who other teams around us are going to play next. I just wait until a round of games and then have a look. I can't even comprehend trying to look at some bigger picture in the, how it might play out in four or five months' time, because Christ knows if there'll even be a football season in four or five months' time. Um, yeah, Jesus. And if, you know, I mean, Angie, our friend Angie from Norway, asking this exact question. I might be an idiot, but isn't it a little? Isn't a title challenge a bit too early to believe in? Can we yes. just acknowledge that this crazy season isn't making a title challenge any easier, as we seem just as effective as the other top clubs? True. I think the only thing is that more than any other United side in recent memory, United seem quite well placed to take advantage of that chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, the squad is the squad is stronger. There's a different attitude there. There's a different a different mentality. So we are in a stronger position. I mean, could you imagine how this season would be playing out if we were looking at the team as it was in the first half of last season? Um, <clears throat> pre, I don't want those pre those those, those dark pre Bruno days when Andreas Pereira was <clears throat> playing far too often and uh, <sighs> you know and Pog wasn't fit and and. Rashford was playing with either Martial or Rashford were injured. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he would have been absolute carnage. Oh. You could you could genuinely see us being where Arsenal are in that circumstance. Mm. But we're in such much a much stronger position now in terms of quality and squad than we were then, and so it's a very very different different picture. And I don't think there are many teams in the league that have this the strength in depth that we do. Um, I'm not going to go into managers in, in depth, but managers make a difference. Ollie's Done, doing pretty well at the moment. I think there are some clubs who have better managers, but on on, the, on all things considered, I think we we're as set as almost anybody for for this kind of chaotic season. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, Nitin Naik uh, uh, said something similar. Uh, would Oli get more respect if he were better dressed, used the word philosophy a lot more, and was a bit of a twat? <laughs> not saying he's perfect, but he's definitely not as bad as pod- uh, most podcasts I listen to seem to think. I think it's naive to think he doesn't have weaknesses, but it would also be unfair of anyone to say that the position United are in now, he's not doing a good job. or He's not getting results and... Mm. and, and doing what he needs to do to get results because quite clearly he is the test the yeah. test for him is to be able to and, and it certainly seems to be happening but but for united to be consistently good and to be winning these sorts of games consistently and maybe we will from here on and, and if we do it's very very difficult to to criticize him in any in any way um i just i kind of feel you know you're talking if you're talking about a title race between ollie and klopp in terms of footballing brains comparison I, I mean I don't think there are many coaches that are anywhere near Klopp but there's a big gap there so so I suppose it has to be to Ollie's credit that we're so close to them now you know we're not going to sugar it there are times there have been times in this this season where we felt I don't think any, any of us on this pod were calling for Ollie to be sacked but there are times when we felt that possibly this job was beyond him but at the moment he's proving us slightly wrong isn't he so 
if he continues to if yeah. he continues to do that, how can we criticize him? Uh, well, I mean, I think one of the problems is is that over the course of the last two years, it's been very easy to criticize Oli, not yeah. because I enjoy it, but because some of the errors and the problems that we've seen have been so glaring, it's impossible to avoid them. And I think also when it comes to Oli not necessarily getting the credit he deserves better managers than him have failed to get United playing football like this but also winning consistently he's got us playing better football than we were under almost all the time under Mourinho and all at the entire time under Van Hal under two full seasons at this exact moment in time whether or not he can string that into a cup or a proper title charge still remains a massive unknown and if he does it you will not be able to take that away from him because that will have been earned, absolutely earned through the trust of his players, through being able to inspire them and encourage them in moments like tonight to keep trying. And the determination on show is just not something we saw under Mourinho and Van Gaal anywhere near enough to suggest that they could really take this team any further forward than they did. He has drawbacks, of course he does. But if he succeeds, I am going to absolutely love it. And it's something that every United fan, I'm sure would be enraptured to see happen if yeah, United exactly. could actually succeed under Oli. Because, God, it would just make life a lot easier, wouldn't it? Uh, Judson Lee asks, will Wan-Bissaka ever cross a ball again? Now that is becoming a problem, isn't it? Yeah, he looks he looks very low on confidence, doesn't he? Um, which I, I, I imagine is why Oli gave him a bit of a break, I guess. Yeah. I guess to be honest. Well, there is no other right-back, is there? Well, there isn't. It's just him. I mean, that's, that's, that's part, again, that's, that's part of the problem. That's one of the positions where we don't have that competition. We don't have the ability to rotate and not lose too much quality. So, and I, and I think he has suffered for that. And I, and, and the using two and Zerbe and using Lindelof there, I think, was a nod to the fact that he he's possibly had to use Wambasaka too much. It is a problem. It is a problem our our full fullbacks not being productive enough in an attacking sense. And he's certainly, you know, I think there was some improvement in that from him last season but I do think he's one of those who is affected I mean you forget he's still very young as well but he is one of those I think who, who gets affected by confidence in no sense am I writing him off I think he's still a, a very talented young player but he just hasn't an area of his game that he's clearly not confident in and that does impact United's um, penetration on the right hand side when he's when he's not confident uh, to Rinkamir, they call Ollie a PE teacher, whilst Louis van Hal is a qualified PE teacher. Begs the question, who would you prefer as your PE teacher? Oh, I, I get the feeling that van Hal would be would be very strict, but maybe maybe slightly funnier. I mean, van Hal drunk would be a great PE teacher. Yeah, he really would. Where, whereas Ollie, I think it, the, the whole thing. Hey, g- hey, ga- pay attention to the PE teacher. <laughs> games, games would be a little bit more freestyle under Ollie, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. He'd give us more latitude to play whichever sport we were playing in the way that we wanted to. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really care, to be honest. I'm, I'm very, very glad that we don't have Van Hal anymore. And so I would prefer Ollie to be both my team's manager and my PE teacher, whichever, when compared to Van, yeah. Van Hal, who, who ultimately was a tedious, in footballing terms, tedious, tedious bastard. <laughs> uh, lethal Dizzle it's just, I've not actually got a question just a statement Eric Bailey is very good at football he's very entertaining at football and can be very good and I prefer him in that centre-back duo if he stays fit than Victor Lindelof because there was one moment tonight where Traore and Neto were breaking at us and Neto very clearly had the run on Maguire mm. Bailey doesn't go across to try and make that recovery pass because he knows full well that Traore is going to get him behind him and he just stays the right distance between the two of them and then pulls off the interception 
that is the sort of stuff in terms of his recovery pace that makes him so much more useful as a partner than Lindelof to Maguire. If he can stay fit, yeah. that will solve something of a problem, potentially. One more from Tariq was, if you were Ole, would you try to get some more fresh faces in January to keep pace and build depth, even if it meant adjusting plans for the summer window? Now, that's an interesting one to round off the evening. Obviously, we're coming into uh, transfer window period time. Now, let's talk about Edison Cavani uh, signing on for another year. Quickly, what do you make of that? Are you up for it? I wouldn't be against it. I think we've seen what, what he brings. He's, he's a completely different option to um, Martial. I think he's proved that he's still physically in in, in in good enough nick to be able to play or contribute at a pretty high level. Um, so no, mm. I, I don't think I'd have any issue with that at all as to whether whether we might spend in the in the window, I would be surprised if we bought a first team player in the January window. Yeah. Partially because I'm not sure those too many of those players would be valuable, but also because I just think money, you know, when we've, we we're looking at a period, we're probably looking at the entire season without fans, which I don't think is something that clubs will have expected, even starting the season in the position we were in. That's an awful lot of money. I also think if United are intending to make a splash next summer in terms of signing a player like Sancho or, or, or making a, a big centre-back purchase or whatever, then I, th- I think we have to save our money. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if we bought a young player from somewhere, a kind of one, one for the future, that, that rather like Traore or Palistri, that we could we could develop and and might be able to contribute something in the short term without actually being a big having a, a big impact on the first the first 11. Sure. I mean, speaking of Shorari, he'll be joining us in merely a couple of days. He will. He will. I, I'm really I'm yeah. quite excited. I mean, I, I don't like anybody else. I've not seen an enormous amount of him, but he, he um, came on in um, Atalanta's Champions League game that I watched and he was immediately really Atalanta's most dangerous attacker. Um, he's clearly mm-hmm. clearly got a lot of talent and it's just a case of where along the line he is. It'll be seen with Palistri, I think, watching him in the under-23s. I don't think he's physically and in terms of game intelligence at the point where he could make a serious contribution to the first team yet I suspect Traore will be slightly more developed but I don't think we should have any enormous expectations of what he can provide if if he does offer anything in the first team that's positive then I think that's a bonus rather mm. than an expectation oh heck yeah so as our final note before we sign off for 2020 your favorite moments of this Difficult, shall we say? Yeah. The last twelve months. What, what's really stuck out for you in terms of the performance and result? The the, the win away at the at the Etihad at a time when Solskjaer was under serious serious pressure. And I think if if things had gone wrong, both in the... what you mean the one in twenty nineteen? <clears throat> was that in twenty nineteen? Yeah, I, well, <laughs> that was December like, of we've last all, year. We've all lost. We've all lost track of track of time. Okay, I, I would say that probably we've all had a drink. We, we all, fine. Well, I haven't had a drink. I've just got bad memory, but. In that case, I think the home the home game against City just before the lockdown was was ace. It was de- it's the best I would have said the best kind of goon hmm. from a match that that we've had for quite a long time. It, certainly in the in that twenty twenty period. So, but I mean, it's difficult because most a, a large portion of last season feels like it was about three years ago. It does. It just feels like series one going into series two with a full year gap between filming it of any tv show doesn't yeah, it? it feels like a completely different experience i can i can i can think back to games i i can still remember sequences of results and games and where i was and what i was doing for united from the 80s but and i and i can usually do that almost every season but ask me 
ask me about the early half of this year i can just about remember things bruno have done and i can't really remember the rest um because mm. we all it, it just seems like really distant just almost dream state doesn't it but yeah i mean i think i think that 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 win over city we did we did ever ever so well against the top teams last season we you know won twice at at chelsea as well um and beating city three times um in a season was super fun time and i guess I guess this year it's been a bit more difficult hasn't it but we've we've won some games in some really cool ways haven't we southampton particularly tonight and it's been really really exciting the first time since 2013 i think where we when we watch united we know we're going to see we know we're going to see some real drama whichever way it goes yeah i mean i think one of the games obviously the the city game 2-0 which is the last game that was attended by fans in old trafford and obviously because it looks like at this stage we're going to be lucky to get fans into Old Trafford mm-hmm. at any level before the end of the season. That's obviously a particularly poignant moment, especially with McTominay getting that goal right at the death. That was a superb moment. And, you know, you don't ever want to sign off from fans being in Old Trafford because it's just a watered-down experience seeing United play at home without anyone there. But that was a, a lovely sort of... Every time I think back to that goal, it makes me feel warm. And I see the reaction. I see the fact that it was a late goal in front of the Stretford end. And it just reminds me that good things are still coming to us, and eventually we will get back there. And the other and, thing it reminds you know, the other thing yeah. it reminds me of is, the, and it's contributed to this season. You can see that Pep is scared of United now, not perhaps over a season, but he's scared of playing facing United. He doesn't have the confidence to to let his team play the way you know his, his the way it has in the last couple of years when he when he plays against us. Mm. And that's a you know those those results do have a psychological impact on other teams even if they finish the season well ahead of us and I think teams being scared of United is something that we've not had enough um in in the last seven years seven and a bit years um so it's it's nice to see managers at top clubs looking at United and thinking they can do me some damage here I think one of the games that really sticks out for me is that Bournemouth victory last season, just purely because we'd had some decent victories in the couple of games prior to that, but that was the first time where I felt like we properly blew a team away. Yes, we conceded some bad goals and we looked shaky defensively on a couple of occasions, but the way in which United took the game to their opposition and created goals out of absolutely nothing and were so exciting to watch going forward, it was... A wonderful throwback whilst also just reminding you that when United get the opportunity to, there's such an exciting side to watch. You know, there's an expectancy about us going through on goal now and the amount of chances that we carve out for ourselves. You just expect goals in this United side. And that's again, you know, it we spend so much time thinking about the past when it comes to modern day United, right? Mm. In terms of what we've seen for the last seven years under Moyes, under Van Hal, under Mourinho, and what we saw before them under Ferguson. And it's whenever when we get moments like this or periods like this where it feels like we're making some progress, it's impossible to avoid the past in terms of comparing it to what we saw over the last couple of managers and indeed to what came before them with, with Ferguson. And when it comes to games like that Bournemouth victory and in particular the late wins against Southampton and the goal tonight, it's impossible not to sort of throw back a little bit and just think, this reminds me of the greatest period of watching United I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And I'm very grateful for that because you to have that connection to the team again and to feel that belief in United again is not something that should be taken lightly, right? And it's wonderful to have that back. I'm not saying it's permanently there, but there's enough flickers of it there at the minute to suggest that there's some substance to it at the very least. 
and I absolutely refuse to take that for granted. Mm. You know, watching United is so much more fun than it's been for some time. And in a hellish year, in a terrible year that we've all had, you know, you and I have both had our share, and mm. Paul has, all three of us have been through the ringer, and I'm sure that as many of you listening will feel the exact same way uh, when it comes to United. Yes, we've had our ups and downs, but the fact that this team are enjoyable to watch and you can put uh, just a, even just a modicum of belief in them, that's no small thing to round off this awful, awful 12 months with, right? Yeah, absolutely. It would have been very hard. Um, I mean, the, the, the first lockdown and, and that period when, when there wasn't any, any Premier League football was was a really difficult period mentally to get through mm. and I think it would have been more difficult if it was it was difficult at the start of the season wasn't it when we were struggling and, and, and mentally it was very difficult because often maybe I'm unusual but I, I, in those in those moments when you might think about something else I think about United or when I turn the light out to go to sleep I think about United but if that's taken away from you if, or if that enthusiasm for for watching and thinking about United is gone then what fills that those holes what fills those gaps when there's no there's nothing else to take your mind off things. It's nice, particularly as a point when we look like we're going to be facing serious, serious sort of full restrictions again, to be able to think about United and, and, and get a positive feeling from it and and look forward at the prospect of seeing them play again, whether it's next week or whether it's in a month's time. Richard, let's leave it there for the dick year 2020. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let's move on and, and hope next year's slightly better for united and for the world the entire world yeah not just everyone listening to this no. indeed yeah i mean who knows when we're going to be convening again for a game uh but this stage let, let, let's sign off with a little bit of positivity before you know real the real world eventually starts dancing naked in front of mm. us again and re- absolutely uh, refuses to be moved away anyway guys a huge amount of love to you all. Thank you very much for listening throughout these last 12 months. As you very well know, it's hugely appreciated. And don't forget, if you so wish, you can very much talk to us on Twitter. You can get me at, at you and like this. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices, Paul at Paul Gunning One, and the pod itself at Red Voices MUFC. You can find our blog at redvoices.net and you can find the podcast itself on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, basically every half decent podcast app you could possibly happen to find. We'll be back when there's more football to talk about with the situation in England and the United Kingdom, uh, particularly hairy at the moment, to say the very least. Who knows when we're going to be back, but we surely can't wait to be back discussing United, especially we're going to keep on winning. It's pretty cool. cool. (laughs) Take care. Lots of love. Good night.